God, lovely, isn't it? That's not a wave, Adrian. That is not a wave. <laughs> Actually, I was just looking for somebody to read the passage for me, Adrian. Would you, would you, do you think that you would like to... Um, have you got a Bible with you, or do you want me to... Yeah, I, th- I, th- I just think, well, it's, it's the opportunity, isn't it? You get the opportunity. Uh, we're looking um, today at Luke 18, verses 1 to 8, um, which I am hugely grateful for as a passage, uh, considering the one that Pete pre- preached from last week. <laughs> hugely grateful for. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a fantastic passage to read and to uh, uh, share from. The parable of the persistent widow. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought to always pray and not lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. But afterwards he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Wonderful. Thank you, Adrian. Uh, If you don't mind, I'm just going to pray again. I think when you um, talk a bit on prayer, then it's worth praying, isn't it? I wonder if we can just stand again, if if that's right, just to pray. I just think it's so important that we do that. Lord Jesus, we just uh, come to you humbly this morning, Lord Jesus. Um, Lord, I'm so aware in reading this passage and preparing it, my inadequacy in terms of my prayer life, Lord, how much better it can be. And I just pray for us, Lord Jesus, all of us. Lord, will you come? Will you encourage us? Will you challenge us? Lord, will you help us to be those who pray more, pray longer, pray in a more determined way? Trust you more, Lord Jesus. Have more faith in you in our prayers. Will you come, Lord, this morning? Lord Jesus, will you bless us, not Not with my words, Lord, but with your word. Lord, with your power. Lord, will you speak to us, Lord? Will you come and will you do a deep work in us through this passage, Lord Jesus? Will you speak to us, Lord, each one? Lord, I pray particularly for each one here, Lord. However, we've come in this morning, Lord, whether it's racing in, having looked after kids, whether it's um, time when, I don't know... um, We've had a, had a week of pain or frustration of difficulty. Lord Jesus, will you come now? And will you help our hearts be open to you? Lord, we don't just want to be hearers of the word. We want to be doers, Lord. We want to be those that act on what you say. In the mighty name. Amen. Thank you for standing and praying with me. Um, It's quite a passage, isn't it? Quite a passage. And um, my title uh, I've given it today is Pray and Don't Give Up. Pray and Don't Give Up. 
And it was very interesting. I was talking to one person here. I'll keep it very generic. Um, uh, this morning, who is really battling with something in prayer. And I thought, my word, Lord, you're really speaking, aren't you? Battling with something in prayer at the moment. And actually, that probably refers to all of us in some way or another, doesn't it? All of us here with something or other, maybe more than one thing. We are battling in prayer. We are pressing in in prayer. So this is a, a very timely uh, chapter, some very timely verses I think the other thing to say before we really get into it, to look at the context, well, if we go back to what Pete said last week, it's all about the context of the end times, isn't it? Different understandings of it. And really, this is about how do we respond to this message in the context that we are in those last days, as it were. He's being very generic about that. How do we respond to this passage in that context? Okay. So, I have uh, two points, really, this morning. I should have three. I'm sure I can find a third one. I've got two points this morning. The first one is, don't give up. And the second one is really talking about what we do when we don't find our prayers answered speedily. Did you notice that verse in there? Speedily. What, What do we do when we don't get those answers speedily? How do we respond? And what do we do? I'm fascinated um, with this passage because I think it's the only place in Scripture where before a parable is told, Jesus says why he's going to tell the parable, which is strange, isn't it? Because in my mind, the whole idea of a parable, that Jesus tells these amazing stories, whether you believe in him or not, whether you're a a Pharisee or whether you're a tax collector or a prostitute, whoever you are, you get involved in this story, you get taken up. Jesus teaches you something by way of a story and you just get wound in. Whereas this is almost the other way around. Because Jesus says at the beginning, doesn't it, in verse 1, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. I'm referring it to in the NIV version. Here it says, um, always pray and not lose heart. But there's a real sense, a kind of uh, consistency between those two, isn't there? And maybe Jesus did this to remind us to pray and not give up. Do you know, sometimes when we hear something once, it goes in one ear and out the other, doesn't it? Yeah, maybe that's just me. Maybe that's my life. Maybe that's the people who I listen or don't listen to. Fortunately, Andrew's next door, so I'm very safe in that. I didn't say that. Please don't quote me. But sometimes we need to hear things more than once, don't we? Need to hear, pray and don't give up. Pray and don't give up. Pray and don't lose heart. And maybe that's why this emphasis is here. Because we really need to hear that message. And actually, if we look through those verses, we've got other elements in there where it says the same message again and again. Verse 3, the widow in that city who kept coming to him. The widow kept going again and again and again. In verse 5, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, that's a kind of continual thing, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming word continual there and verse 7 and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night 
So there's that continual perseverance in prayer. But there's something slightly more with that day and night element, isn't there? Because it implies not just continual, I'm sorry about this, but it implies longer, doesn't it? It implies not just being continuously praying, but it implies, to me, praying for longer. And that is a real challenge and one that I'm going to try and deal with today. Now, Leon Morris on this passage says this. He's a a commentator um, who I really like uh, talking about this passage. He said, Jesus' teaching goes beyond that of the Jews, who tended to limit the times of prayer lest they weary God. It's quite fun, isn't it? Just just pray about it once because God gets weary. Very different feeling, isn't it? But we know we have God our Father who is attentive to our prayers. He's always there. And just because John's praying doesn't mean that he can't hear Joe's prayers. Or just because Roger's praying, it doesn't mean he can't hear Adrian's prayers, even if he does that. But it's true, isn't it? That we have a God who hears our prayer and can hear millions. How that works, in my mind, it doesn't work. I have a limited brain. But that amazing, all-powerful nature of God, that he can hear all prayers at all times and, and hears them every time they are said. All those ideas. Absolutely amazing. What a God we serve. But God does not get weary of us praying. He does not get weary of you praying. Okay, I have a, a little book here, and may, I'm sure some of you uh, will have seen it. It's not hugely well known, I don't know. E.M. Bounds, um, and this is Purpose in Prayer. You know it, I thought you might. Um, and it uh, came out in the early 1900s. And there are some fantastic quotes. One of the best things about this book, it's not, a, it's not a kind of thing you can read all the way through, but he quotes from some of the most amazing saints of history. And I'm going to use one or two quotes from here as we go through. Um, and uh, here we go. The first one from E.M. Bounds himself. And it says this. It's a challenge, I warn you. The Christian who relegates prayer to the subordinate place in his life soon loses whatever spiritual zeal he may have once possessed. And the church, that's us people, and the church that makes little of prayer cannot maintain vital piety and is powerless to advance the gospel. Powerless to advance the gospel. The gospel cannot live, fight, or conquer without prayer. Prayer unceasing, instant, and ardent. Wow. Bet he was a preacher. Really bet he was a preacher. I'm going to read one more. Robert Murray McShane, who many of you may have heard of, Scottish minister in the 1800s, said this. But in general, it is best to have at least... (coughs) Sorry. (coughs) At least... One hour alone with God before engaging in anything else. I ought to spend the best hours of the day in communion with God. Oh, my word. And it's interesting, as I've looked into this passage, a number of the people talk about moving from half an hour prayer a day 
to an hour's prayer a day and what a difference that makes. Please understand I'm not speaking as an expert. I've just done a lot of reading and a lot more praying this week. So I thought I would start off with the idea of just trying to give you some helpful hints and tips. I'm sure we could share lots of them on that idea of trying to pray longer. And yes, this is probably talking about our individual prayer, but many of the things I talk about will talk about our corporate prayer as well. Our prayer meetings, our Tuesday morning prayer meetings, our youth prayer meetings. Many of the things will talk about that as well, but the context, a lot of what I'm saying, is going to be about our individual prayer. Now, I'm not sure about you, there are times when I find prayer easier and more difficult. And when I find it easier, there tends to be things I want to pray about. There's something in my mind, and I want to pray about it, and that's easy. I kind of just get into it, I grasp it, I thank God, I do whatever, it's easy. But there are other times when maybe I'm feeling a bit more weary, and I'm not quite there. That might just be me. And so what I try and do then is I look for a structure that helps me do it. And I know many people may use the Lord's Prayer as a structure. I've got to be honest, I don't find that very easy. Maybe that's something. But this is a a prayer structure that I've found that many of you will have seen before that I find helpful, and it's ACTS. Really helpful. Maybe this reminds one or two of you for it. And I really like it because rather than diving into, Lord Jesus, please can I have, or can you do, it talks about focusing on Jesus. So when we're talking about extending prayer, it's not about asking for more things or asking for more things more often. We're talking here about the holistic idea of prayer. And the first one acts adoration. It's about adoring, Lord Jesus, you are just so amazing. I am just amazed at your strength, at your omnipotence. I'm amazed that you can even hear me with the millions of other people praying at this time. It's that starting with that sense of adoration. Starting of that sense of almost adoring God, but reminding ourselves of who he is. That we're not just talking to the wall. Or, I don't know, sitting in our usual chair where we pray, looking at a picture. We're not there. We're actually... It's that sense of adoring the living God. And I try and stay there for as long as possible. Obviously, we all want to move on to the asking, but I try and stay there for as long as possible. And secondly, confession. It's not something we talk about a lot, but it is so important, isn't it? Lord, I'm really sorry if I was sharp um, with my wife uh, this today, I, I really feel that, Lord. Um, I'm really sorry. I, I, I just, I, I haven't really thought about you enough today. I haven't considered you enough, Lord. I'm sorry if my priorities haven't been right. If I've just been too busy to realise the eternal journey and the plans and purposes that you have for my life, for my church and this world. Now, there's a sense of confession. That's a really good place to be as well. I wonder how many of us do have that in our prayer lives. Maybe we do. And then thanksgiving, so thanking God. Thanking God for prayers he has already answered. Thanking God for who he is. And then we've got 
supplication. It doesn't quite work. I mean, it should be actor, shouldn't it, asking. But anyway, I'll call it, I'll call, we'll say supplication, that idea of asking. Intercession. Asking, firstly, for others. Try and use ourselves last. Yes. Pray for ourselves last. But asking for others. Asking for things. Praying for our church. Praying for the world. Praying for Ukraine and all that's going on there. Praying for things that we know are on God's heart, not just on our hearts. And then praying for ourselves. And yes, we should pray for ourselves. Sometimes that sounds a bit selfish, but we pray for ourselves. And I think that's a really good model. And always use, every time I use it, I find it useful to remind myself of it. And I can also remember it because it acts. I can, I can remember what it is rather than having to think about it. This doesn't mean you shouldn't have a prayer list. And I think a prayer list is really important. A list of people you pray for once a, day, once a week or every day or every month is so, so important. And it's so good to do that and to be able to tick things off your list. I looked at my list from last year and a few things I thought, I don't need to pray for that anymore because I've seen God move in that way. Do you know when I was... Um, First, a Christian, I wrote down 10 things to pray for, because that's what I was told to do. I was 13 at the time. Um, I was at boarding school, came from a completely non-Christian family. Um, and I wrote down 10 things, because that was what I was told to do. And every day I prayed for them. And after about a month, I realized that 9 out of 10, I didn't need to pray for anymore. 9 out of 10. Oh, I wish I saw that every time I prayed for things. Amen. <laughs> And the tenth one was halfway there as well. It was about a particular issue with a friend of mine's father. And that was on the way, perhaps, of being sorted out. I was amazed at God. So prayer lists are really important. I'm not saying don't do that, but I think a prayer structure is helpful. Okay, I've got a lot to cover, so I'm going to race on. Acts, if that's helpful, write it down, use it. Uh, put it on your fridge, talk about it as a family. That's the first one. Uh, the second one in terms of praying longer or being more determined in prayer is taking opportunities to pray. Because I struggle to sit down for half an hour or an hour to pray. Maybe that's just me. But I find it much easier taking opportunities in my day to pray when something happens. I pray. And so those, these are the, the just, his, just hints and tips. Um, if you want to pray early in the morning, God bless you. I am, have such respect for you. That's not me. I, I, I'm, I'm not an early bird. I'm, a, I'm an owl. I, I, I'm honestly, late at night, that's me. Um, but if I'm going to do that, I need to know that I've actually got to start that earlier or be prepared to go to, le to bed later. It doesn't just happen. Um, and so that's really important. Be prepared for it. There's a sense of being organized with that. Pray in a suitable place and suitable posture, particularly at the moment when we've desperately tried not to have the heating on. The temptation to pray in bed lying down is huge. And I don't pray very long when I do that. But thinking about where you're going to pray, what's your posture as you pray? What's the most... Does it need to be comfortable? We are yeah, comfortable enough to pray for a while, but also to keep you there and focused. Think about your prayer and your posture. Um, the other thing that I thought might be a, quite a good challenge is God has really challenged me over the last few years that whenever I do something, I pray more than I prepare, which is a real challenge for preachers. 
to pray more than I prepare. Don't think I quite got there this time, but almost. But for all of us, when we're serving, whatever we're doing, with, with the youth, whether we're helping with PA, doing the wonderful words, whatever we're doing to try and pray more than we prepare, because actually it's about the impact that God has on us as a church through our serving that is important. Um, I try and pray on the way to work in the car. Um, and, uh, you know, if, if, if it's not something that you're doing, driving to work every day, there's often something you do every day that can be a prompt to prayer. Um, I try to make sure that I don't um, start listening to radio till I've done at least half my journey. Now, what that does sometimes mean is that I'm praying about work, which is good because I'm in that moment. That's fine. But also, there are times when my prayer turns to worry. Have you noticed that? That actually I can spend some time which I think is praying, and actually I'm not. I'm just worrying about it. Prayer can go to worry very quickly. So to draw yourself back and say, no, I'm not worrying about it. I'm actually giving this to God. And that maybe acts will help a little bit more with that. I pray before a difficult meeting. Um, it won't be only me that has little things you're doing in your week to just feel a bit uncomfortable about. Um, I've got the privilege of having an office so I can just pray in the office before that starts. But many of us will have things that we're going into in the week to think, oh, and to just make sure you pray. I know, I know we do, but we often forget as well, don't we? But just to use that, pray when you get into the car. A beautiful uh, story about this. Um, as a student, I travelled to South Korea and went to Yonggi Cho's church there, absolutely brilliant church. And uh, somebody said after the meeting they would take us to a place where I think we were eating. And said, so, oh, brilliant, we'll go in your car, absolutely fantastic. They went down to their car, got into their car, first thing they did was pray, so it just stopped. Praying in Korean, so I didn't understand a word, and it went on for quite a long time. Got to be honest, a little bit longer because I just wanted to get somewhere to eat. So let's say it was seven or eight minutes that we prayed for sitting in the car, which can feel a long time when you're in a car not understanding a word. So we're in the car, and then we went to the place. It took three minutes. So we'd spent much more time praying than actually we did for the journey. Interesting, but a great principle, isn't it? Even if you're just doing short journeys. Pray when you get on a train. I'm traveling quite a lot at the moment on a train, and there's always an opportunity there just to make sure that I'm using that journey, that, that quiet patch. Um, um, running or walking, making sure that I pray. Sometimes I'm running, it's, Lord, just help me get around, help me, help me get around, help me get around. But acknowledging God in what I'm doing is so important, um, and particularly when I go uh, walking with Andrea, she always is brilliant. I say, right, let's pray. We go for a journey in the car. Right, let's pray, making sure that that draws us in. And the other thing, time I thought might be helpful and something, again, I try and discipline myself to do um, is when I wake up in the night to make sure that I use pray. Okay, it may not be long, but just to make sure that I've prayed, I've given something to God, not worried. Okay, trying to leave that out of it, but try and pray, even if it's just thanking God for something. Brilliant thing to do. Um... Okay, another challenging quote now from uh, my book, Purpose in Prayer. It's a quote comes from Henry Martin. Um, just looking around the room to see if anybody knows him well. He's a missionary to India and former uh, Persia, the former Iran, in the 1700s. There must have been quite somebody 
in the 1700s. And he said this, let me burn out for God. After all, whatever God may appoint, prayer is the great thing. Oh, that I may be a man of prayer. Amen. Amen. Oh, that may, we may be men and women of prayer. Okay. So there's a little bit of encouragement, hopefully a few practical thoughts on that idea of praying and not giving up, just extending what we do to make sure um, we spend time every day in prayer. And again, they refer probably to personal prayer, but hopefully it's more general and we can look at it in terms of corporate prayer as well. Okay, so that's the easy part. We're now going to talk a little bit, my second point, about prayers that don't always get answered. I don't know if we can move on. There we go, that's the one. Why don't you always get the answer that you hoped for? Because it's all very well persevering in prayer, particularly asking prayer or supplication, but sometimes we don't get the answer we, we hope for. And here it says speedily. Does it not say speedily? Yeah? It says speedily. Now, I suppose, looking at that, we should look at it in the context of for, uh, a day is a thousand years or a thousand years are like a day. Yeah? God looks at things differently, and we have to understand that. What we think is speedily may not be God's, and there are times when God does things absolutely perfectly. But I know that for many of you, and you will know for me, there are certain things, certain naughty things in our lives or in the lives of our, our, our friends and family that are part of those things we pray regularly for and haven't yet seen that speedy answer. I don't know what they are for you. For me, they're things like praying that my mum will be saved. I've been doing that since I was 13 when I became a Christian. Praying for Andrew's health, praying for the growth of the church. Keep praying for that. We see some, we want to see more. Growth in numbers, growth in faith. Pray that I can be the best Christian that I can possibly be. I really want to see that. And I also pray for just success at work. I don't want to be a complete failure in what I do. I'm sure you don't either. So we just pray, don't we, that we'll be successful, that we will be a blessing in what we do. So I hope that the next part that I'm going to do will give you a bit of a structure to understand when you're in that place of frustration and praying through things. And this part is structured into know, slow, grow, and go. I think it's a really helpful way. Know, slow, grow, and go. So, if you are praying for something, if you are asking for something, there are, if you like, four situations that you can be in. You can, you can be in the situation where God is actually saying no to you. Interesting. We'll talk about why in a minute. And then there's this idea that the timing is wrong. So it's about, there's an element of slowness to it in our minds. It's not speedy. We've then got the idea of growing that actually there might be more that God wants to do in us than the answer to that prayer. So it might be about wrong motives or just a chance to grow. And then there's the idea of those times when God answers speedily, and we've all seen those in amazing ways. So let's start with no 
first of all. So the idea, um, I still remember, um, I think I was about eight, and I remember standing at the top of the, top of the stairs and thought, somebody said, you can pray for anything, so I thought I would. It wasn't a Christian time. I thought, right, I'm going to pray that I can fly. I know what you're thinking. This doesn't end that badly. I'm going to pray that I can fly, because I want to. So I was there. I want to fly. I don't think I prayed, even said God. Maybe I did. And then I jumped, sensibly, only to the second step. <laughs> only to the second step, and nothing happened. God said, no. There's a context there that I didn't know him, and obviously prayers of those of his elect, as it talks of those who know Jesus, committed themselves to them, are different, but God said no. There's biblical examples of this. In Matthew 20, verse 20 to 30, don't need to uh, look it up, James and John came to Jesus with their mother. Interesting, I don't know why they came with their mother, but they did. James and John came to Jesus with their mother to reserve the best two seats in his kingdom. And Jesus said to them, no, there are times when all our prayers are good, good prayers. There are times when we may be praying for good things or even selfish things. And God is too loving and he knows us too well to say yes. And that does happen, doesn't it? We've all known that in our lives. So that's no. The second one is slow. And this is about timing. If the timing is wrong. 1 Peter verse five, uh, chapter 5, verse 6 says this, Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. At the proper time. God's timing is perfect. And we are not perfect. Therefore, it's not our timing. God's timing is absolutely perfect. So difficult sometimes to realize that. But his timing is perfect. I'm going to say that again because not everybody believes me or reconciles that in their heart to what they're thinking about. But God's timing is perfect. And then grow. Talking about wrong motives or just having an opportunity to grow. James 4 verse 3 says, When you ask, you do not receive, because you ask with wrong motives. And sometimes we feel very frustrated when we're either in the slow or the grow thing and we don't understand. And we ask the question, why, don't we? Why is this happening? Why isn't it being answered? And the better question to ask is what? What can I learn from this? What is God teaching me in this situation? What is he teaching me about himself? What is he teaching me about me that actually he wants to work on in my heart as he perfects me, as he makes me more and more like him? Because his interest is very much in us, isn't it? And in us growing in our Christian life, in our becoming more like him, in us becoming more and more holy, becoming more and more the Christian that he called us to be. And actually, that phrase, how can I learn or how can I grow from this, is a really good question to ask 
in lots of situations, particularly when you feel frustrated? It's a really, really good question to ask. But then there is the go. There is the correct timing. There is the correct request. There are the correct motives. And we see the amazing answers of God. And we know, don't we, that in this passage, it was about an unjust judge. A judge who just wasn't interested. He didn't care for God or man. Didn't care about them. But our Heavenly Father is not like that, is he? He is loving and caring. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He is the good, good Father who loves to bless his children. Very interesting if you look back to the passage because we see a widow asking a judge. Well, where's the power there? It's with the judge, isn't it? There's no way that the judge would be able to change, would, would need to change his mind. I don't know how you could make sure that an unjust judge does what you want. Maybe you could bribe them. She was a widow. She didn't have money. She couldn't bribe them. Maybe you'd have a great protector. You'd have a bigger, larger judge who could say, you will do what this widow wants. She didn't have that. She had nothing. She had no real hope of justice. But when we come to God our Father, we have the God of all justice. The God of all power. What a God we come to. Matthew 7 verse 11 said, If you then, who were evil, now know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Is prayer a mystery? Amen it is. And I think the older I get, the more mysterious it is. But what was the direction? What was the order, almost, in this passage? Pray and don't give up. Yeah? Pray and don't give up. Pray and do not lose heart. And that's the challenge, isn't it, from this, that we pray and do not give up. And I can know that a number of you... Even as I'm saying that, there's that slight kind of, not glistening of your eyes, but you can feel it in your hearts, can't you, of the things that you've been praying for. And God says to you this morning, pray and do not give up. Pray and do not give up. It's an interesting passage at a, a very interesting time for us as a church, isn't it? Last week was so amazing. I was sitting just there with the box in front of me as the pledges and the envelopes came in, one by one, everybody putting them up. And I feel myself losing it even now, remembering people giving sacrificially to the work of God. Oh, my word, what a blessing. And hearing, you know, over the week that we haven't just raised the 10,600, we've raised more than that. Over £13,000 with NAF gift aid onto that. What amazing blessing. What amazing expansion God has given us, isn't it? Touches my heart. But actually the reason why I gave, why you gave, why we gave, was to see the gospel go out in Herne Bay and the surrounding area, wasn't it? 
was to see the blessing with the guests, the kids and the youth, but actually to see the blessing of God in this time. That's why we all gave and gave sacrificially at a time when money is not easy. But actually, if we are not those who are determined in prayer, we will not see that blessing, will we? Actually, that's the investment that is even more important, that we invest in determined, persistent prayer and don't give up. That we are those that pray more, that knock on the door of our amazing Heavenly Father. I just want to encourage you with that. I think that's the challenge for all of us and certainly is the challenge for me, that I pray more and we see the glory of God in our day. Amen. Amen. Shall we pray? Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are a good, good Father who delights to give good gifts to us, Lord. We thank you that you're not an unjust judge. You are the greatest, most powerful, most awesome being. And we just want to come to you today, Lord. We want to recommit ourselves, Lord, to prayer. Lord, we want to recommit ourselves to those difficult issues that we've been praying about. We want to recommit ourselves. Lord, we want to be those who pray and don't give up. Lord, not just those who do that, but who pray long, Lord Jesus. May you make us long prayers. Not who say long words, Lord but who put time in our days, in our weeks, to praying and seeing your kingdom come, seeing your gospel go out. And we do pray for that amazing blessing on this church, Lord Jesus, that you would help us to grow in numbers, Lord Jesus, particularly with the youth and the kids, but also to grow in faith, to grow in spirituality, to grow in knowledge of the Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit, to grow in the depth of understanding. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.